This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Uh, this morning, I want to get straight into the Word. And today, I'm excited. I truly believe that uh, God is taking us somewhere. Who, who was here last week? Yeah? You could just sense God is, God, is, God is pushing us in a particular direction. And I'm believing God today that, you know, today is not just me speaking. I'm praying that we'll participate. This is a participatory message, okay? So I want us to participate today, okay? I want to go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. But I think it's important that we read the whole story just to get the context. This was in our daily Bible reading uh, a week or so ago. Such a powerful story. And I want to begin to read from verse 1. It says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others who, don't, who they couldn't even say their names with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, A great multitude is coming up against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are at Hazan and Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of this nation? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built for you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster came upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before his temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear us and save us. And now, here are these people from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of Egypt, but they turned away and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out. Of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against them. For we have no power against them. Hmm. I want to say that again. For we have no power. I think sometimes it's good to be honest and say, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming up against us. Nor do we know what we ought to do, but our eyes are upon you. Praise God. But our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do. We do not have power against this multitude. But guess what? Our eyes remain steadfast on you. Now all Judah with all their little ones. Listen, this is important. Verse 13. Now all of Judah, with all their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. 
Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Metaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asher, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but it is God's. For the battle is not yours, but it is God's. I want to say it again. For the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up against the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. You will not need, listen, you will not need to fight this battle. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you will not need. No, no, no. Say it with a bit of more convince, a bit of oomph. Say, you will not need to fight this battle. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, position yourself. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go up against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. When the Levites of the children of the Kohites and the children of the Korites stood up in the praise stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with voices aloud and high. So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established, believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, listen, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord and who would, sh and who would praise the beauty of his holiness as they went before the army. I want you to see that. He says, they went before the army and were saying, praise the Lord. For his mercies endure forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, uh, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah. And they were defeated. For the people of Ammon, Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Wow. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude. And there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. When they looked now, it says there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry. And there were three days gathering spoils, because there was so much. 
God bless the reading of his word. What a powerful story. Just reading that story gets me excited. Finally, I want to just read Ecclesiastes 7. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 says, The end of a matter, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Today I want to share with you on a message I've given the title, Scenes, Episodes, and Seasons. This is not how the story ends. Scenes, episodes, seasons. This is not how the story ends. In the 2019 word, Pastor Tom says this. He says, in the midst of the evil, we, we will see the goodness, blessing, miraculous increase, and victory. And we will overcome the enemy that has risen up against us. This is a year where we must learn how to enter into and stay resting in what God has done and will do for us. Today I really felt as I woke up, I felt really impressed to remind us this morning that we are a people of promise. You and I are a people of promise. It may not feel like it sometimes. Sometimes our present circumstances speak otherwise. But one thing I want to remind us today that we are a people of promise. You see, the weight and the validity of any promise is based on the integrity of the one who made it. I want to say that again. The weight and the validity of any promise is based on the integrity of the one God who made it. I want to remind us that the one who's promised, promised us is God himself and he calls himself faithful. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's a God of promise. He doesn't get moved by what he sees or ha happening. He's not moved by what's happening in our nation because he's a God of promise. In a particular passage in the, in the scriptures, the disciples got onto a boat and it says, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And it says they got onto this boat. As they were crossing over halfway, it says a storm rose up. We may find ourselves in a storm in this nation. You may find yourself in a storm in your personal life, in your family. It says a storm rose up. And it says everyone on the boat began to panic. But Jesus was fast asleep because he knew what he had said at the beginning. It says that the disciples panicked, ran to Jesus and said, Jesus, are you not worried that we are going to die? And it says Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and he said, peace, be still. You see, the promise was, let us cross over to the other side. What happened in between was not going to nullify what God said at the beginning. What is happening in between your life does not nullify what God promised you. You are a people of promise. We are a people of promise. You see, I like to watch some television series. It's not good sometimes because sometimes... You can get addicted to these things. Um, but there's some television, you know, episode, I mean, series that I like to watch. And, you know, let me just break down something, you know, just, just, just humor me here. An episode or a particular series can be anything between uh, 40, can have anything between 40 to 60 seasons. Okay? Scenes. Different scenes that make up just one episode. An episode generally runs for about 40 minutes without any commercials, okay? So if you're watching an episode, it usually lasts for about 40 minutes. 
generally, 13 episodes make up a season. Okay? So 13 40-minute episodes make up a season. Okay? So a few weeks ago, I said to you, I started, I watched this, I, I just, <laughs> I stumbled across this particular series. I won't say it, but let me just say it was good. But here's the thing, I watched the first episode. And have you ever done that where you watch the first episode and by the time you get to the end of the first episode, you say, no, I have to watch the second episode. While this, had a, this was a 10-episode uh, 10 series, and here's the beauty of it, all of them were ready for you to watch. So you didn't have to wait for the next week. Good but bad also. So I started watching episode one, got into episode two, three, four. Remember, these are 40-minute episodes. We say, let's pray for 10 minutes. Some people can't pray for 10 minutes. 40 minutes times what? Times 10. I started watching these things. Got to episode, and, and you know what? Because it's a, it was a mystery kind of uh, series, I love those. I love it because I know that there's always a twist. So I'm watching this because I want to get to the end of this thing. But I'm up. My eyes are red, but I'm, I'm fighting through sleep. Because I have to see. Well, we get to the end. I finally get to the end. I think it was AMs. I watched throughout. My wife was like, sweetheart. I watched throughout. Finished. And let me just say this. The way it started was not the way it ended. You know, if you only finish at episode one and don't get to episode ten, you may not understand the full story. You see, in our lives, we live lives in scenes, in episodes, and in seasons. A scene is, is sometimes short. It's a short part of a, it's part of, a, of, a, of a particular episode. It's short. But how many of you can attest with me that there are some scenes in our lives that we would rather have avoided living? There are some scenes that you say, and even if you're watching a movie, you watch a particular scene, you say, what was the purpose of that scene? There are some scenes in our lives that are ugly. There are some scenes in our lives that are messy. But sometimes it develops from a scene to become an episode. An episode is a bit longer now. This episode that you're living through and you're saying, man, will this episode in my life ever end? Maybe it's an episode with your child where you just feel like you've lost communication with your child. And it seems like they're just going away and you're saying, Lord, I need you to come through. Because this episode is just not ending. Maybe for someone else it's developing to a season. A season is much longer. And it's now a season that you are reliving and you're saying to yourself, but God, when will this season end? When will this season end? I think once I spoke to you about, I, I, I like the Marvel comic series and particularly the Avengers. The Avengers. Apologies, my pastor. But I like the Avengers, and the reason why is, again, you start watching. Last year, we had, you know, they had the Infinity Wars. Most of us watched that, right? And if you remember, again, I like to use this example. In the Infinity Wars, when you come to the end of that particular, particular, particular movie, you think to yourself, man, that's the end of the Avengers. Because you look at it and you're thinking, <laughs> the way it ends, if you've watched it, you know. It, it looks like this is it. There's a villain called Thanos, and this guy is a big bad guy. He is a terror. 
And he manages to single-handedly disarm and destroy these guys. And you think to yourself, you know, I remember looking at it and, and I had this look on my face at the end. I was like, okay, what just happened? But you see, if you end at Infinity Wars and you don't watch the end game, which came out this year, you may think that that's how the story ends. But it's only when you get to the end game and you realize, oh, and you watch it and you see how the story ends, that you realize there's a full story to this. Don't judge people too early. Don't judge yourself too early. When you're in a season or in a scene in your life that sometimes doesn't make sense. We are in a season in our nation that doesn't make sense. But I want to remind you that the end of a matter is better than its beginning. That this too shall come to pass. There is a season and a time for everything under the sun. At a, at a college graduation, if I said his name, you would all know him particular very famous guy made this keynote address and he brought this idea called connecting the dots. In this address he said that you cannot connect the dots going forward, you can only connect your dots going backwards. And what he was basically saying is that sometimes in life we live through these different seasons that don't make sense. We go through these traumatic times in our lives, we go through loss, we go through disappointment, but it's only when you look back and you begin to say, okay, that happened. But had that not happened, this would not have happened. That would not have happened. And I would not be here today. So now when you look back, instead of complaining, you say, you know what? Had it not been for the Lord who was on my side. And let me just say this. Sometimes it's those things that happen in our lives that set up the best story. That set up the best ending. You see, if you didn't have trauma, if you didn't have loss, if you didn't have disappointment, your testimony would not be as powerful as it's going to be. So instead of getting stuck in the dot, instead of getting stuck in the disappointment, keep living on. Keep standing. After having done all to stand, stand therefore. Because this is not how the story ends. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, this is not how the story ends. Let me ask you a quick question. Have any of you ever woken up to a battle? Where you wake up, or you walk, let me not say woken. Have you ever been woken up into a battle? Where you just, you haven't even had time to enjoy your porridge. You get a knock on the door. It's your five-year-old son. And he's knocking on your door. And you're wondering, what is wrong? And you ask him, hey, what's, what's wrong? And he's knocking on your door. He says, and he's saying his little brother is vomiting continuously and has missed the bed. So you reach out to get your phone because you need light because there's no Zesa at home. So you reach to get your phone so you can switch on your torch. But as you do so, you see a message and it's from your landlord. And your landlord is saying, sorry, you know, and it came in the midnight. Sorry, but I have to double your rent because it's no longer making sense. You haven't even gotten out of bed and you've hit, you're hit with this. So now you're thinking, okay, what's going on? You get out of bed and you, you're using your torch on your phone and you get to your, and you see your little, your little son and he's, he's messed himself. And you can see in his eyes that he's, he's, he's not well and you know you need to take him to the dock. Well, you think, well, I need to clean it up. But guess what? There's no water. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, this couldn't get any worse. 
But it is. This is happening. This is less than 30 minutes. This has all happened already. And now you're thinking to yourself, okay, let me just wipe him with whatever I can. Let me rush him to the emergency. But you think to yourself, last year, yesterday, I was in a petrol queue. But I couldn't get petrol. And now you're thinking to yourself, man, I had just budgeted enough fuel to take me to the next petrol station. Now I have to go somewhere else, and I'm not even sure. But you know what? You have an emergency on your hand. Have you ever woken up to a battle? And, 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 and it doesn't end there. Because now you're thinking to yourself, my medical aid has lapsed. And I'm going to the doctor. And I'm thinking to myself, I have real bills. And you're thinking, I'm already afraid of what the consultation fee is going to be. And the subsequent medicine that I'm going to have to buy. And you know, you're going to get a whole long list of medicine that you need to. And you're thinking to yourself, so already your mind is in a state. And yet you, you've got an important presentation at work that you're supposed to make. And this has all happened. Have you ever woken up to a battle in your life? Well, this is the way Jehoshaphat felt. The Bible says, right in the beginning, it says, it happened. It happened. There was no warning. There was no preparation. There was no time to prepare. It says it happened that the Moabites, the Ammonites, and others came up against Jehoshaphat. And they didn't have time to prepare. I think the hardest is when things just happen. And in our nation, things can just happen. Today, you've got this. Tomorrow, it's this. And it's just happening and you have to figure it out. The Bible says a great multitude. I like that because it, it doesn't just say it was a large group of people. Multitude means innumerable. This was a number that could not be counted that came up against Jehoshaphat. And it says Jehoshaphat feared. You know, when I read that, I... I, 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 I I have a peace because I realize there are times in our lives where we all fear. Where we have a moment where we're saying, but God, am I going to make it? What has come up against me is real. This is real. We are faced with real situations. And it says he, he feared. But listen, he says, then he set himself to seek the Lord. May in our moments of fear, not let fear paralyze us. It's okay to fear, but let our response be, God, I'm going to seek your face. I will seek your face. And it says, he sought the face of the Lord. Verse 6, it says, I love this because I hear Jehoshaphat being as vulnerable to God as ever. He says, oh Lord, our God. And I believe sometimes we have to make the same prayer. Oh Lord, our God of our fathers. Are you not the God in heaven? Listen, there's a time where we have to just rend our hearts before God. And say, but Mwari, are you not the God of heaven? Listen, this, this, this has come up against us. We have not had enough time to prepare for this. This is overwhelming us. The Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. He says, he, says he, starts, he starts making this prayer and he says, are you not the God? Are you not the God? He begins to remind God who he is. He says, are you not the God who rules over nations and the kingdoms of this world? You are the God who has power and might so no one can withstand. There comes a time where we must begin to boast in the God that we serve. 
You are the God who has all power. You are the God who can turn it around. You've done it before. Do it in our time, Lord. And he begins to make this prayer. And he keeps saying, are you not the God? Are you not the God? Then he gets to verse 11. And he says, here you are. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Listen, the enemy is coming up against your inheritance. There is a godly inheritance that has your name on it. What is happening around us is, is, is an attack on our godly inheritance. We are not those of this world. We are those of the kingdom of God. And we will not sit back. If the enemy is tormenting your home, He's coming up against your godly inheritance. That is your portion. That is not a time for us to say, well, it happens. It's okay. You know, it will. No, no, no. That's the time where mom and dad, we rise up and we say, listen, you are coming up against that which God has given me. God has entrusted to me. This is our inheritance. And we will not sit back and let the enemy take what is rightfully ours. We will not. He says, oh God, will you not judge? But listen to this. He says, for we have no power against this great multitude. We have no power. The Bible says, his power is made perfect in our weakness. But there comes a point where we must acknowledge that we can't, but he can. Because as long as we keep trying to figure things out, and we're going to get there because the Bible then says, this is not your battle. As long as you're trying to be the one to figure it out, you're getting in the way of what God wants to do in this situation. Verse 13 key, it says, now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. You know, I read that and I, I first time I read, it, I kind of just read it through. But I read it again. I felt the Holy Spirit say, you see. It says the little ones. It's specific to say that everyone, every family member came together. See, in a season like this, this is when you begin to see discord in families. This is when you begin to see dad saying, you know what? I'm checking out. I can't handle the pressures of what's happening right now. And dad begins to check out. Mom is running with her own thing. Uh, the, the son is, is drinking and doing whatever. No one is knowing what's happening in, each other, in, in anyone's life. Because pressure has a way. If we're not in the presence of God, we can become scattered. But it says everyone. It says the little ones. How many of you have little ones? Little ones. It says in this season, that's the time where we must bring even the little ones together. We must stand before God together as a family and say, God, if God be for us, who can be against us? Begin to declare scriptures as a family. Begin to stand on the word as a family. Not say, oh, no, you, it's okay, you can go into. No, no, we are a family. We stand together. It says they came together, their wives, their little ones, and they stood before the Lord. The story continues, and it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Joseph, Jehaziel and he said, do not be afraid or be dismayed. For the battle is not yours, but it is God's. That's a promise from God this morning to somebody who's been fighting a battle that is not yours. The reason why you keep losing is because you are fighting a battle that you were never ordained to fight. 
It's time for you to get out of the way of God and let God, who is a God of war, to rise up on your behalf. And he says, this battle is not yours. You've been fighting it, but it is not yours. Man, somebody needs to let that sink in. That battle is not yours. But it is God's. Verse 17 says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Here's what I need you to do. He says, position yourselves. Pastor Nikki, there's a position that we must take. A position. A position in the spirit. A position. This is not our battle. But there's a position that we must take. It says, position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation. Now, now, now hold on. There's a multitude that is coming up against us. It is innumerable. We cannot even count it. And you're telling me to be still? See, the hardest thing to do is to be still when everything around you seems like it's falling apart. When your son seems to be going on the wayside and the hardest place to be is to stay in your position of faith and say, God, you are still our God. I will not fall into the place of beginning to doubt what you can do. I will stand on your promises. I will stand on your word. I will be still. Like the 2819 word says, this is a season where we must learn how to rest in what God has done and will do for us. There are things God has done for you. Some of you need to go back into your war chest and remember the things that God has done. But here's the thing. It's not what he just did for you. It's what he can still do for you today. The God who delivered you out of the hands of the Ammonites, the God who delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians is the same God who will deliver you out of this enemy that stands before you. But you must take up your position. Stand still. Zikama. Stop running around looking for solutions everywhere else. Stand still. Stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. There is a peace that comes upon you that surpasses understanding. That comes with one who's rooted in the word of God. And and they say, stand still. Stand still. Do not be afraid. Tomorrow go up against them. For the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with you. Now, if you look at how the story began, suddenly the story seems to be taking on a different shape. And I don't know which part of this story your story is. Because we're all in different seasons in our lives. But the promise is this. This is not how your story ends. What you are currently facing, that's not the end of your story. And you see, the Bible is full of stories that started off one way, but ended up in another way. Paul and Silas locked up in a prison. It started with them locked up in a prison. And it looked like this is it. But guess what? It says 
When midnight came, they began to sing songs of praises to God. And suddenly, there was a shaking in the prison. The Bible says the prison gates opened. The ones who started off bound, it says they broke free. Not only that, but the prison God also, him and his family, came to a knowledge of God. Started off one way, ended in another way. Started off with a poor widow who was preparing her last meal for her and her son to eat and die. Ended with her having more than enough to feed her son and to live. It says she had enough to live for a long time. Started with Ezekiel standing in a valley of dry bones. Ended with a mighty army that rose up after Ezekiel prophesied according to the word of the Lord. Started off with a bunch of frustrated fishermen who had toiled all night and had caught nothing. Finished off with fishermen who were singing, dancing, praising because they had caught a boatload of fish that they had no room to contain. Your story may have started in one way, but it will end in another way. <clears throat> started with a woman who had a 12-year issue of blood. Ended with her being healed instantly after touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Started with Jairus, whose daughter was dying. And in fact, part of the story, she actually gets to a place where she dies. But it says that Jesus came. He leaned over her. And he called her for the little girl came back to life. Started with Lazarus, dead, dead for three days. Jesus gets there and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Started with blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, but it ended with just Bartimaeus, no longer blind. I don't know where your story is, but you see, sometimes, like I said, we are quick to judge a scene. We're quick to judge an episode before we've seen the full season. You see, some of our stories have even made headlines. Failed business, facing bankruptcy, kids not in school. I don't know what your headline is. But sometimes people have written headlines based on a scene. In your life. In fact, several years ago, there's a story that made headlines. And the story read this. Tom's white elephant. Speaking of Pastor Tom not being able to complete the building of this center that you and I sit in today. They would write this story believing that there is no way you can build a building like this during a hyperinflationary time. It makes no sense. You cannot. It's impossible. But years down the line, the same people who wrote that headline would have to look and see and see the celebration center stand as a testimony of what it means to build by faith. Look, I don't know what your headlines are right now. But don't believe those headlines. Over 2,000 years ago, 
a story made a headline. And if I, if I were to give it a heading, I would say it was, it was probably written something like this. Mary's sex scandal and miracle baby. You all know that story? It may not have been written like that in the Bible. But I'm sure there are those of those times that wrote this. And that was the heading. Because they would look at and say, what are you telling us? Sorry, are you saying you are pregnant by the Spirit? Sorry, what, is, what are you even talking about? So, sorry, how, how, how dare you do this to Joseph? How dare you? How dare you, 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 you tell a lie that you are, and not just pregnant by the Holy, you're telling us that you are carrying the Messiah? Are oh, you kidding me? Listen, listen, Mary, you've lost it. That was the headline. Well, the story gets even worse. Because if surely if Mary is carrying the Messiah, the place of his birth is going to be dignified. The place of his birth is going to be glorified. But guess what? Mary is found alone in a manger in Bethlehem. Not in a fancy hotel. And there it is where the Messiah is born. Now the story gets even worse. Because if you're telling me this is the one who's come to save us and he's being born in a manger, well, the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor. And he says he went about doing good. And so now the story begins to take on a different trajectory as it begins to go about. And it says he began to heal those who were sick. He began to pray for those who had diseases. The lepers were healed of their disease. But even in the story, there would be the highs and the lows in Jesus' life. There would come a particular scene in the story of Jesus. And the scene would go like this. One of his closest, one of his close disciples would betray him for a few shekels. He would stand before Pontius Pilate and he would be sentenced to death on the cross. And they would see the Messiah, the so-called Messiah, to some. Carry the cross up a hill called Golgotha to the place of the skulls. Where there he would be nailed between two thieves. And many would look and say, you see, there is your Messiah. There is the one who you said would save you. There is the one. Look at him now. And they would spit on him and mock him. And he would still say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. It says that at that moment, he would give up the Holy Ghost. And Jesus died on the cross. Many looked, some who had believed in him. In that moment, it says they went back to their home. Some didn't believe, because they said, this can't be how the story ends. Is this it? Have we believed a lie? And the devil began to celebrate. Demons began to celebrate. Many began to celebrate because now they said that headline that we wrote has come true. But the Bible says after three days, come on, after three days, I said after three days, the Bible says suddenly there was a shaking and the one who was presumed to be dead came back to life 
and it says he resurrected, not as the same, but he says he rose up with a new power, a name that is above every name, that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess. It says he went down into hell itself and he snatched the keys and he took all power and all authority. And those who had said that it ended on the cross had to now see that the story didn't end there. But in fact, there was a resurrection. Church, there is a resurrection. In your life, there is a resurrection. You may look like you're down and out today. People may look at you and say, look at you. Look at you. You told us you would build a good business. Look at you. You told us your family wasn't in. No, look at you. Your life looks a mess. But this is not the end of your story. There is a resurrection. There is a resurrection. There is a resurrection. And so, as I close this, see the Bible at least 82 times says, and when it came to pass. 82 times, and when it came to pass. Church, and when it came to pass, our children will say, and when it came to pass, you will say, and when it came to pass, your brother will say, and when it came to pass, that sickness is not unto death, and when it came to pass, it shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. We declare that this will not end this way. This is not how the story ends. And so as it, as it is, even with Jehoshaphat, it says this, and this is what I want us to do as we close. In the next few minutes, if the band could get ready. It says, Jehoshaphat stood before the people. And he said this, he said, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Celebration Church, believe in the Lord your God and you shall not be moved. We are those who are like trees, planted, planted, though the storms come hit us. We shall not be moved because our hope and our trust is established in God. And it says, believe in his prophets. We have a prophet in this house who declares the word of the Lord. Who declares the word of the Lord. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. And it says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord. And who should sing the praises, the beauty of his holiness. And listen to this. It says, and they went before the army. They went before the army. The praise and worship went before the army. When I look at that, here's what I come, here's, here's what jumped to me. Had they seen the victory yet? No. 
They hadn't seen the victory yet. Usually you praise him after the matter. But it says Jehoshaphat put the praise before the victory. Before he had seen it. Before he had seen it. have a word, Pastor Gary Thompson, before you've seen it, God is saying, begin to praise him because it's about to happen. It's about to happen, sir. It's about to happen. He says, put the praise before, before. And he says, they began to praise the beauty of his holiness. Something happens when a people begin to praise God before the Bible says there was confusion in the enemy's camp because how can people be praising in this situation? How can a nation, how can a church be praising in this situation? It doesn't make sense. But we are not those who go by what we see. We are those who go by the Spirit of God. Our eyes. If you are here and you say, you are surrounded by a battle that is bigger than you. That you know yourself, you have no power against this. Be of good cheer because God is saying, the battle is not yours, but it is God's. This battle is not yours, but it is God's. And God is saying, all I need you to do, take your position. There's a position you can take at the altar today. There's a position. There's a position. And it says, they came together with their families, their little ones, their little ones. You see, even if your little one is not with you, believe you're with them. If they're in children's church, believe that you're with them in spirit. Join with them. Some of you, maybe your daughter has gone astray. Your son has gone astray. Today they're coming home. We declare they're coming home. They're coming home. They're coming home. They're coming home. Take your position. This is not how the story ends. This is not how the story ends. I want us to join together. Join together as we lift up the praises of our God. Because He is able. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.